actually we use three principles uh, in in what we go, what we call the the growth triangle um, and this is related to the the what where and how yeah. every year organizations spend more than 30 billion creating strategies and more than 80 percent 80 percent of these uh, strategies fail uh, so oh the gosh. four disciplines of executions mythology combined with the alignment canvas and the playbooks that we have provides really the framework for our organizations yeah, seeking to improve strategic execution by creating a, a culture of, of, of high performance. Welcome to Road to Revenue Leadership, a show that candidly explores how hard it is to create, build and scale world-class revenue organizations by leaders that have been there, done that and have seen the results. My name is Dylan Mendes, founding CEO of Usite, and I'm excited that you're tuning in to the podcast. If you're a fan of the show, make sure to subscribe and leave a review. Enjoy. All right. Well, Sanne, not Sander, but Sanne, uh, I suggest that we uh, just start right off the bat and maybe you can start just by introducing yourself. You know, who is Sanne? Where do you come from? What do you do? Uh, go ahead. Uh, of course. Yeah. Uh, my name is Sanne Drieder. Uh, uh, first of all, I'm ha happily married and father of uh, two kids. Uh, Juliette is uh, six years old and uh, Lucas, who is uh, four. And uh, yeah, since two years, we have a gold retriever in the family as well. She, uh, oh, her gosh. name is uh, Stella. It's a third one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, indeed. That was kind of the the discussion that was going on during the Corona period. Uh, are we going for a third child? And then that was the opinion of my wife. And I had the opinion of, no, two is more than enough. <laughs> Let's get a dog. So that's the only discussion. Compromise. <laughs> yeah, that's the only discussion that I've won. So. <laughs> oh, yeah. The hard sales negotiation skills... Uh... Still, still on the side of your of your wife. Then. Yeah, yeah, indeed. Um, yeah, I used to play soccer when I was uh, six until I was twenty four on a semi professional uh, level. But then I ruptured my okay. ACL, and uh, since then had four. Uh, I lost count already, or maybe five uh, knee surgeries. So I'm keeping oh, it at uh, cycling and swimming uh, now and then. Um, yeah, and I'm also the commercial director of uh, Top Des Belgium. Um, and uh, maybe a fun fact, I think it was yeah, last week, the 1st of June. Um, it was my uh, my eight years uh, anniversary at, uh, at Top Desk. All right. Congratulations, then. Eight years. Yeah. <laughs> right, yeah. And I'm pretty sure that you have had uh, pretty interesting stuff happening there that uh, that we'll touch on during uh, during this discussion. But maybe ab about those, uh, you know, you played soccer from 6 to 24 mm -hmm. years old then had to stop because of, you know, um, interesting. Like, you know, do you still, do you have then that, that competitive mindset or that team spirit from that soccer game? Do you, do you still see, you know, some things that you took on from those sports, uh, yeah, let's say, adventure uh, yeah, into, into the role that you're in now? Competitive mindset is, uh, is, is, is always something uh, that I will have, I think, even when we do like... Uh, um, Team outings with Top Desk, for example. Uh, yeah, I'm. I have the mindset: when you do something, you're in it to win it, of course. So, yeah. Because what 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 kind of person in the team were you then? Were you the you know, were you kind of more of the the leader of the soccer team, or um, were you more the one that were put at very crucial moments in the game, or? Yeah, from a position point of uh, perspective I uh, uh, in the youth I was all, all, always a winger so uh, uh, attacking player on, on the on the sides and then in the last years of my career I was uh, uh, the right back uh, defender uh, but I had the entire 
uh, side for me. Uh, so uh, one of my strong points was my um, my condition. So I could uh, run quite good. Um, yeah, and then uh, give the assists to the to the striker to score. Lovely, like you should. <laughs> Is it that was it then was it then kind of a, a fallback moment when you know you realize I'm 24 now I really have to do something else what will I go and do or or were you maybe in a semi-professional way where you actually already had a job uh, or let's say other yeah. than playing soccer yeah exactly and it was it, okay. it, it, I think it was more a combination of things so also um, that was also the period where my uh, where my daughter was born so I think it just ended like the football career and starting the mm. work and family life uh, business so <laughs> no regrets uh, whatsoever so yeah. no i can imagine for sure all right well maybe you can uh, because if i'm not mistaken i think that you you entered top desk and actually never left since yeah true so i think there is no better ambassador than top desk than yourself to kind of you know explain the audience what top desk do or is and you know what the goal is uh, and all yeah, so basically it's uh, it's uh, uh, from origin a Dutch uh, software company, and what we do is uh, um, we deliver service management software, so enterprise service management. So we help uh, IT facility HR departments within companies to deliver uh, better services towards their internal customers, or sometimes also external customers. That's basically uh, what we do. Okay, clear. And so let's talk about your. Uh, I was going to say road to revenue leadership, but actually also road to uh, to dust the top desk leadership. Um, you know, where and when in the journey of top desk did you enter? Um, and then, you know, what was the challenge back then? What were your sp responsibilities all the way from where you are now? Yeah. Uh, shall I go back to the university time? Uh, what I studied, et cetera, or what is what is relevant? Well, yeah, why not? If you right. think it's relevant, let's uh, let's do it. Well, uh, first of all, I studied, I think, um, so uh, sociology in the University of, uh, of Antwerp, uh, followed by the Master uh, Strategic uh, Communication, and uh, which was actually a quite nice combination for a broad uh, academic basis. Uh, so I'm really a people uh, person. I, I thrive in groups, interactions with a lot of people, uh, keen to keep on learning, learning new things, uh, sh uh, sharing and exchange ideas with others. And in my course of sociology, uh, I was intrigued by the dynamics within a group or between groups and what kind of uh, things influenced these uh, dynamics, uh, how people will behave in a specific environment. So when I look back on it, yeah, I think there lies a certain basis for yeah, team crafting. So that was uh, yeah, quite, uh, uh, quite interesting. Yeah, so what kind of profiles do you need in your team? But I think um, one of the courses that really relates to, to me was the organization sociology. And uh, that was a very interesting one. So um, it talked about how organizations developed and transformed uh, over time, which uh, challenges they encountered and how they tackled them. And a dynamic that is yeah very actual in the world that we're living now as well. Eh? The pandemic, the Ukraine-Russian war, inflation, tech layoffs, etc. Economic instability. So uh, yeah, uh, interesting times. Um, after my bachelor sociology, I decided to do my master in strategic uh, communication. 
And this was, was more yeah, business focused and marketing related. So direct and e-marketing, uh, internal communication, consumer psychology, negotiating, etc. Do you still remember why strategic communication? No, I think uh, because yeah, the master of sociology was also an option, of course. But I, yeah, I think it wasn't broaden enough for me. So it was I wanted to do like a combination of more business insights. So mm. I think that was a nice combination of the like the the people thing and the, the, the group interactions, which is the basis for sociology, and then adding the business topics of strategic communication. So that was a really nice uh, combination. So yeah, mm -hmm. actually, if I look back on those education tracks, you could say that's all very relevant for a career in, in sales. Uh, so <laughs> I think you could definitely say yeah. that. Thanks for the self-reflection, uh, Dylan. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you're welcome, you're welcome. No, but it's funny that you say that because indeed, I, I don't think I've ever met someone that studied sociology. Uh, but as you say, you know, really uh, understands uh, people behavior, group interaction. It's just like, you know, a salesperson that needs to manage different stakeholders at the same time and needs to know when to enter where and say what. So yeah, yeah I totally and I think it. So what I learned from those studies is I wanted to be in the people business and something that had some commercial affinity. I think that mm -hmm. was my mindset back then. Um, also as a uh, during my studies as a student, I worked often at festivals, uh, so mainly uh, behind uh, the bar, uh, but also there after one year or something, I think I was responsible for the entire bar team, so 15 to 20 people on events like, uh, what was it, in Cessation White, Cessation Black, Tomorrowland, <laughs> Base Leader, those kind of events. All right. Um, I worked for Hamilton Bright as well, not sure if you know as a student. So that's I more know, like yeah. product related. Yeah, so mm -hmm. on the floor sales reps. Uh, so then you go to a store like Media Market or Van den Bode and you need to pitch the new Samsung uh, Smart TV. Um, so yeah, I think that was already some kind of indication for my future uh, career path. Yeah. yeah, no, definitely, definitely. And I can say that indeed in your case, it was uh, much more uh, early in your career that you had some kind of touch with, with sales. I feel that a lot of people, you know, enter sales by accident or just because, you know, that's uh, a natural next step. But in your case, I can tell that, uh, yeah, it was just made for you. So maybe yeah. you can, uh, yeah, yeah mean, so feel free to continue or transition to, you know, how yeah, you I was graduated. So I had the, the, the master degree in the pocket and I was looking for, for my first job. Uh, so at, a sales job that was clear for me and yeah preferably in a nice organization uh, of course uh, and i think it was my second or third interview that i've had um, and i was introduced at uh, at top desk did my two interviews um, signed my contract it was uh, in april uh, to start in june um, uh, but uh, yeah before do i you, started do you there still remember why top desk from or did you have many interviews before top desk as well or no, it was my third interview, I think. So I think yeah. I had two applications with other companies before that. So actually the job search went quite easily. Um, and I didn't start it immediately. So I signed in April to start in June because uh, before I started uh, at, at Topdesk, I, um, I was first getting ma married already. Uh, oh, okay. And uh, yeah, and in May we went on a honeymoon to, to Mexico, I think it was. Uh, so actually, yeah, I, I, I married and uh, when I was still a, a student, so uh, I, I, the work life had yet uh, to start. So I started working at Topdesk as a, as a newlywed uh, and 
I started in yeah what they currently call like an SDR role. Uh, so then it was uh, uh-huh. I think inside sales office sales it it was called, uh-huh. and I was I entered up this Belgium as colleague yes number eleven uh, if I recall it correctly. Um, so I did in Belgium S- or over the entire yeah. group. No 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 in Belgium okay, okay, okay. yeah for top this Belgium gotcha. yeah. Uh, back then it was only an office uh, in Antwerp that we had. Okay. Yeah. yeah. But did you did, did this mean that you had to move to Antwerp? Um, yeah, to Antwerp or did you say Amsterdam? Antwerp, Antwerp. Antwerp. So that, okay, yeah, okay. Yeah, so, yeah. so it makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It it re- really close to where I live. I live in Wilderijk, so it's really ten minutes of uh of oh, my yeah, hometown. Oh okay, okay. yeah, yeah. Um, after one and a half two years, I became an account manager. So this means yeah, managing my own customers' uh, portfolio, uh, but also visiting multiple organizations to see if Topdesk could be a good fit for them. Um, mm. I think I was in this role for three years, give or take, and then became a sales manager. And then we also opened a second office in, in Charleroi. So in that role, I was responsible for our sales colleagues uh, over those two two offices. Okay. Um, and how many yeah. people were there in the team? Do you remember? Uh, 12, 13, 14 salespeople, I think. So yeah. including inside sales and account managers. Yeah, 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 yeah indeed. Yeah. Okay. Um, and I think it was the year before COVID that we initiated the organizational change towards uh, the business unit. Um, and yeah. later on, yeah, the role of business unit manager was uh, introduced, and that was a kind of the tipping point where you can see, yeah, where you can saw the the overlap between my role as a sales manager and the business unit manager. Hmm. So that's uh, also when my role changed from a sales manager more towards the role of commercial uh, director, and so that's my current role, and um, that's what I'm doing doing for the last two years now. So that's basically my eight-year career within uh, within Topdesk so far. Yeah. Okay, that's super interesting. So what, what are the responsibilities responsibilities or, or challenges that you're facing uh, currently in, in the, the CCO role? Yeah, so basically it's like, um, so we initiated those business units. So um, that was, uh, we initiated before the corona, but actually it turns out it was uh, already a good thing that we initiated that because I really believe it will, um, yeah, stimulate uh, and, uh, and 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 accelerate our our growth in terms of adding uh, new customers, but also in our retention policy to uh, keep our customers uh, uh, happy. So um, I think one of the challenges last year was the the French speaking market uh, in Belgium uh, with our uh, with our second office in Charleroi. But actually, last year was also a very good year there. So it's. Uh, we're now in a phase of keeping the the momentum and keep keep growing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Interesting. So, as 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 you know, Sana, we we will deep dive into uh into the transformation that you did in inside Topdesk, and I think that's actually going to be interesting because obviously it's it has been a big uh, I think a learning phase for you, but also for Topdesk, as you know, there is a lot of overlap in between you two. Um, so maybe you know, take us wherever you want to take us um, in that transformation journey of, of really breaking the silos and, and building multidisciplinary teams um, yeah. and bring enough, you know, context and because I'm also curious about, you know, what were the challenges? How did this come up on the roadmap? And, and then how did you go and actually do it? Yeah. So I uh, always explain, so actually what we 
tried to do uh, is we moved from a traditional organization towards yeah more a matrix organization. We're not fully a matrix organization, uh, so we're uh, some of a hybrid situation, uh, I think. Um, yeah, we all know the traditional organization. Eh? Uh, that's when I started with Topdesk as well. So um, you have, uh, especially also Topdesk Belgium, which is a, a sales business oriented office eh? because our development uh, uh, and support back then when I started uh, was in the other countries. Uh, so we had a sales department uh, and a, a consultancy department. And then, yeah, some people were picking up additional tasks like uh, doing HR and, uh, and uh, invoicing. Now we have dedicated people uh, in that role. Okay. Um, but yeah, the uh, of course, the traditional structure has advantages as well. It's very clear and straightforward. You also know who to report to. Um, however, it also has some disadvantages um, and it's uh, it limits the cooperation between uh, departments uh, and it's usually top-down driven uh, as well. And the benefits of a matrix uh, organization is actually created to roll out experiments, projects faster because they yeah, do not rely on the hierarchical decision-making. Uh, so uh, it's more a movement towards more self-steering teams. Um, mm. So yeah, to make it more concrete, what we did is we we brought the, the sales and the consultants together yeah, in forming one team, uh, taking into account the personal preferences, strengths of the individuals uh, as well. Uh, so I, back then uh, we had no BDM, CSM separation in the sales role. It was just like a SDR and account manager. Uh, so um, a sales individual that likes fast decision-making, short sales cycles, is likely to get less happy in like uh, the public uh, oriented business unit, for example, and uh, mm -hmm. will be uh, um, more putting his, his or her strength in a private uh, business unit. Um, if you are a sales individual that is really good in using your social network and bring peers together, then that is something that really works well in the public industry, uh, of course. So mm -hmm. really team crafting and taking those individual strengths into account is important as well. Uh, consultants the same, eh? what kind of implementations you like more uh, than others and why is that, where uh, do you feel more energy, etc. So, um, yeah, it, it turns out that, yeah, we had some yeah really cool benefits uh, out of it as well. Yeah, because such a transformation, what does that actually mean if you really make it tangible? Does it mean that you have other roles with people having new responsibilities, new activities that they have to perform, new communication relationships between people, or, you know, can, can you try to make it very tangible of, of what it, that transformation meant for the organization? Yeah, I think the, the, the key benefits are um, knowledge and expertise. Yeah, so one of the effects is that you get a better feedback loop in, in the business uh, from consultancy to sales. Sales better understands how the product is used uh, effectively within the organization and can take this expertise uh, into their approach towards new organizations. And this uh, helps and contributes to, to become that trusted advisor towards uh, the customers. So I think that's one thing. Um, another one is better focus. So it's, it's more clear. Better focus is always good, of course. So it means uh, also more yeah, tangible, I think, to work with for colleagues. The more tangible the goals become, the more motivated your team also gets. It's not too vague. It's really clear where we, we are working on or towards. Mm -hmm. um, having a common goal between sales and consultants 
what we call uh, the business sites. Uh, so now we have a common goal, uh, make uh, the business unit uh, successful, the new team. Uh, successful means in terms of business result, but also in terms of uh, teamwork, group atmosphere, uh, of course. And mm-hmm. for us, it was also a solution to be more scalable. Um, so I think, yeah, those are the, the key benefits. Uh. Because around what are the matrices matrices uh, structured around? Is it then public versus private or yeah, is it exactly. really around certain projects? Okay. Yeah, yeah. So, so we made a decision. Uh, I always uh, think you. Uh, uh, I always advise to take a pragmatic uh, approach uh, on this. Um, so it's indeed uh, we have two business units. So one is public and one is uh, private uh, oriented. So public is local government, healthcare, um, national government, uh, education, etc. And private is industry and retail, uh, finance, professional services, those kind of companies. Yeah. Okay. 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 And because you said something about this is also going to be much more scalable uh, towards the future. Do you mean then that it would be easier then to add extra business units on top of it once, you know, the volume uh, reaches a certain threshold or? Yeah, exactly. But uh, because that's also what they uh, what they did in the in the headquarters in Netherlands. Uh, so uh, we followed the transition of the headquarters and implemented it in, in Belgium as well. But in the Netherlands, you really have like... Uh, uh, Business unit education, business unit local government, business oh, unit yeah, uh, industry and retail. So they really have those specific uh, uh, um, business units. And I think if we come at a certain uh, growth point, cross point indeed with, with uh, Topless Belgium in the amount of FTEs or the amount of uh, customers that we have, we will we can really easily divide the bigger group of public and private more into those detailed segments mm-hmm. as well. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think maybe a question I'm asking myself related to this one is that, you know, just for anyone listening that might be thinking, all right, maybe I also should consider doing such a transformation. You know, when did this occur? When when did you actually uh, catch this on the roadmap? When did you ask yourself the question, maybe guys, we should think mm-hmm. about doing this thing because this, you know, can, we cannot continue like this. You know, do you still remember a time, a moment in time when that happens? Well, I think maybe... Uh, unconsciously, when I reflect uh, on it, I think maybe eh, I already implemented parts of it in my day-to-day work when I was a, a account manager, because eh, back then I could visit like a corporate financial institution, like a bank, for example, um, on Monday. Um, but on Tuesday I would go to a hospital, or on Wednesday to a startup company of five people sitting in the, the living room of uh, someone at home, and <laughs> on Thursday a municipality. Uh, and which is also, uh, of course very cool to see that the top this product can add value to uh, every one of those organizations but as a sales individual you constantly need to adapt your storyline to level with your potential customer of course to understand really their business mm-hmm. um so i remember that back then i created uh for example my uh, sales deck uh, uh was really tailored towards specific industry yeah, specific or, industries yeah. uh, indeed so I think that was already a first sign. Uh, and yeah, just also yeah, to be honest, we also followed the movement from the headquarters in the Netherlands, uh, of course. Mm-hmm. So so they also could give us some expertise on the do's and don'ts and the pitfalls, uh, for example. Uh, so uh, yeah. So yeah, I also, I also wanted to ask if you had indeed some external coaching or consultancy helping you really in the transformation, but probably then mostly from HQ. 
Yeah, HQ, but also internally from from Belgium. So, so not really external uh, help. So we need people from the headquarters uh, helped uh, because they were already more familiar in this way of working. Uh, but we also had an internal colleague who took the role of uh, agile coach during uh, this uh, transition. Um, and was that so? That was someone from within Topdesk that had you know just also another uh, responsibility within the company. Yeah, and was also really interested in. Uh, becoming an agile coach and taking courses in that so that cool. uh, from her personal growth path we we provided yeah. that kind of uh, personal development uh, yeah indeed and then she, she also had a concrete project to work on uh, indeed mm -hmm. yeah. and i think yeah and if, uh, i still remember um, on how we did that uh, because i think a, a, a graphical way of showing the organizational structure also helps uh, for people also um, so i think yeah. we used an organogram or yeah yeah kind of but also i think we used uh, the metaphor of cl climbing the mountain together yeah, with uh, with okay. several stops along the way so re reflection moments mm -hmm. uh, because it's yeah it's not a uh, okay let's do this and two months later we have those business units up and running <laughs> yeah, so it takes uh, it takes some time so. would be nice yeah so yeah because that's also maybe something i wanted to ask you did you experience some internal pushback people you know not really want to change or <laughs> doesn't any organizational change comes with uh, the necessary pushback <laughs> but no actually it 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 went still quite okay actually uh it took some time to get used to this way of working yeah? so finding the right rhythm i think our biggest challenge was that we uh that we started and in initiated this organizational uh change yeah and then co covid happened uh, so right. this was adding an extra layer of complexity uh, to this transition because we were working remotely, so it was more difficult to feel like the sentiment from the colleagues, right? Uh, or maybe, or maybe that change was a peanut compared to COVID, and people were like, yeah, you know what, it's, it's all good. <laughs> yeah, and I think yeah, here the advice, things you can do as management is yeah, be full, uh, full transparency, of course, and. Ask feedback on a regular basis and create a safe environment where it's okay to be critical. But then we also ask for uh, yeah input, of course, and uh, and ideas to make it better and how they can contribute uh, as well. And so it's really important. How, how do you how do you do that then? Is that via surveys? Is that via calls? Is that via really organized team calls around yeah. that specific project? Or so we have our monthly team BE afternoons uh, every month on Friday. Uh, so that's what we, we organized and we use those fixed monthly moments to guide also the, the colleagues uh, uh, in this change. Uh, so, and I think it's important, it was really a we story. Uh, we are doing this together mm. uh, because it will, in the end, improve our way of working. Uh, you will be more satisfied in your role as well uh, because uh, business unit way of working facilitates you to become more an expert on a certain domain. Uh, mm -hmm. And this will uh, always result in, in in added value towards towards the customer. Mm -hmm. How about the one-on-one -on -one communication? Like I suppose that for everyone, there you know everyone had to experience some kind of change, some kind of impact on on his or her job. So how did you approach that to really communicate one-on-one? -on -one, uh, you know what they could expect, or maybe also listen to their preferences. I suppose you know you guys kind of did that. So how did you how did you approach that? Yeah, um, yeah, we have the, um, uh, the the process or the system in place, what we call talent leads. So every individual uh, within Topdesk has like a talent lead, which is not necessarily your team lead. 
Uh, so the, okay. the, the talent lead within Topdesk is responsible for your uh, personal career path, your personal development uh, within Topdesk. Um, and uh, m most of the times it's and also is a co combined role. It's like, it's like a, a mature consultant within the business that's doing consultancy, but is also a talent lead, for example. Okay, or okay. Um, uh, I was, now not anymore, uh, but I was a talent lead for, for years as well, mainly for salespeople then. Um, so the, 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 the one-on-one -on -one communication goes via, via the talent leads, uh, mostly. Yeah. But also those okay. monthly team BA updates were really, yeah, in an informal setting, of course, if you have, if you have questions, etc., you can, uh, ask them always and, uh, yeah, mm -hmm. try to be as transparent as possible. That would make sense. Um, how about involving the customer in that transformation i suppose that you know they also might have experienced some changes probably in a positive way but i can imagine that you still had to incorporate them right yeah and yeah, actually the entire idea of the business unit it all started with our customers uh, of course <laughs> uh, in um i think how it really started in the netherlands was um within yeah the group of education uh, customers we have a lot of higher education and university uh, customers they all talk to each other and they come uh, they come across similar processes uh, as well. So instead of us, Topdesk as a supplier answer all of their needs and questions, it's very re re relevant for them to learn from each other, of course, mm -hmm. one university of the other. And we can bundle the needs for the segment and what they really need instead of, yeah, one voice of the many customers that we have. Um, and I think, yeah, in Belgium, for example, it resulted in even product-specific integrations for local municipalities on, on the Belgian market. Yeah, they are using our product not only for their internal service delivery, but also for citizen support uh, a solution. Mm -hmm. So towards all the citizens of the municipality. So also deliver services towards their end users, uh, actually. Yeah. So oh, they yeah. absolutely are seeing the, the added value of, uh, of this setup. Yeah. Yeah. No, very interesting. And I, I like the, the way that, you know, it all started from the customer standpoint. I, I think that's maybe also, yeah, in some way, how did you, how you guys, you know, kind of realized that, yeah, maybe this is something that we should work on because, you know, it came from, from them. Yeah. I and mean, also, also I, in Belgium, we just, uh, started with one business unit as well. So we started with the public one. And then mm -hmm. he, uh, I think it was four or five months later, we started with the private one. So already oh, okay. the private one could take the learnings and the hiccups uh, of, uh, of uh, uh, what public did. Uh, and why public? Because we had an established loyal customer base there uh, uh, with a lot of customers and there were specific needs in that market segment uh, mm -hmm. that, uh, that we should tackle. Uh, so that was actually the first business unit. So it's not that we introduced right away the two business units uh, from the start. Yeah. Okay, okay. Because um, and maybe that's also more about the uh, top desk itself, but the the product and service that you provide, is that really 100% custom, uh, custom made for the client or? No, it's more, uh, top, top desk is more standard out of the box uh, software. Uh, so uh, yeah. Uh, we help with implementing uh, it, uh, but it's more processed uh, based. So you have to put okay, the right okay. settings, etc. So there's no coding and developing. Uh... Because then the, the question is also from a product level, did you also there kind of, you know, try to do some edit, some modification on the product based on the business unit, based on the, the, the segment that you focus on with the business unit? 
Yeah, uh, mainly it's in terms of uh, integration towards other uh, systems and about, mm. uh, for example, the citizen support. It's about the authentication process. How can you mm. authenticate as a citizen with your It's Me app, for example? Right. Uh, so those kind of things. Yeah. Okay. Okay. No, very interesting. Then in in the preparation, you you mentioned something, Sana. It was about the about four DX, the four <laughs> disciplines of execution. And so I will have to ask you to to kind of explain me this uh, exactly because I think I think it sounds pretty interesting. Yeah, uh, actually, we use three principles uh, in in what we go, what we call the the growth triangle, um, and this is related to the the what, where, and how question. And for the for the what, uh, which tells you something about your ambition as a business unit, so uh, the the growth tri triangle is used by our business unit working, um, and they work with for the for the what with the, the framework uh, which we call uh, alignment canvas. So on this canvas, you put your annual goals, related KPIs, your run versus your change projects, uh, what do you need from the organization to achieve this, uh, etc. So this is an annual exercise that you do, and every quarter you can look back on your uh, alignment uh, canvas uh, to track your process. Mm -hmm. Secondly is the, the where. Where are we going to focus on? Uh, this is what we call playbooks. It's similar in the industry, uh, I think. But in mm -hmm. your playbook strategy, you really see that um, sales and marketing collaboration coming together, because it mainly tells you where is our focus going to be uh, which industry segment uh, with what kind of messaging events content etc uh, are we going to uh, approach and lastly we have the the how uh, how are we going to achieve this and this is where the 4dx uh, principle comes in okay so uh, because this needs to make the whole really tangible uh, small and concrete um, so that's uh, the power of execution Actually, mm -hmm. it's a, it's a simple, repeatable formula for yeah executing your most important priorities and create focus. I think yeah, every year organizations spend more than thirty billion creating strategies, and more than eighty percent eighty percent of these uh, strategies fail. Uh, so oh, the four gosh. disciplines of executions methodology combined with the alignment canvas and the playbooks that we have provides really the framework for our organizations. Yeah, seeking to improve strategic execution by creating a, a culture of, of, of high performance. So it's really about, you have to make commitments every week, weekly commitments on the certain goals, targets that you have as a business unit. So for example, it can be really small things. Eh? So it's it really needs to be achievable. So not big project, but it serves a bigger goal, but it's all in little chunks and achievable things that you can do during the, your business week. For example, if you have two um, existing customers' appointments next week, well, maybe in those conversations, you need to implement the referral question. Hey, are there any other organizations that you know of, uh, maybe? So uh, mm -hmm. by implementing those kind of things, behavior, um, it will contribute to the to the bigger goal. Okay. So you look more at the, uh, the, the, yeah, the activities that you have to perform, really at the, yeah, as you said, the execution itself. Um, that you kind of cascaded down from yeah, what exactly. is then defined in the alignment canvas. Yeah, it's really, yeah, it's really a cascading uh, type of thing that you do. Yeah, yeah. 
Okay, interesting. So yeah, you can go very, very deep into that. So there's always room for improvement, I suppose. Yeah, and every week, uh, because you, in, in that way, you also stimulate um, proactivity and new ideas and experiments, uh, etc. Mm -hmm. uh, for example, if you come across a certain period where lead generation is low, okay, then one of your 4DX commitments can be, I will try uh, to do a, a different approach uh and then see what it what it yields or what the results mm -hmm. are yeah interesting Th those commitments do you then also define a, a time period or is it you know fixed like you always make a, a commitment for a month or a week no, it's or? A, yeah weekly so eh, on fridays okay. we have like the business unit stand-ups and there um you give an update on the commitment of last week and you give mm -hmm. a new commitment for next week and of course it's creating a, a also, some people pr pressure, uh, of course, if you every week, <laughs> I haven't done my commitment, I haven't done my commitment. Yeah, then. So, it's, then, yeah, it's, of course, <laughs> yeah, that's not good. But is it not sometimes, uh, I mean, too short of a time frame a week to really uh, see if that commitment has yielded some yeah, thing yeah, that you would expect? So, of course, uh, over the period of four or six weeks, you can work on the same commitment of course but you're you have to be really explicit and it has to be measurable um so yeah you have a difference between lag and lead measures uh, of course so mm -hmm. um uh, if it's about indeed i'm gonna investigate if a certain lead generation project is going to yield more lead for example then of course you have to do the experiment over more time but your commitment for the first week can be i will think of a new way of doing that, just thinking about the process. Week later, yes, I thought about it. Second week, your commitment can be, I will do some execution this week. I try to reach out mm. to X amount of organizations to see if it works. So you're really going to break it down. It's at the same topic, of course, but your weekly commitment has to be like really uh, achievable yeah. and tangible. Yeah. No, I, I like how you fostered an innovation also in, inside the sales team because it feels like you have all those micro pilot projects running all in parallel. And then probably one in the so many cases, you know, they might be very interesting to, to really propagate into the entire team. Is it? Yeah, exactly. But also uh, sometimes uh, you have uh, uh, the downside. Eh? If, 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 if you experiment and it doesn't work, yeah, you also need to put an end on it uh, uh, so you don't have to keep on doing something for six months or a year. Eh? So it's really about experimenting, learn from it. Um, doesn't work, all right, do something else, etc. So that's really something that we incorporate and stimulate within yeah, within the, the top desk culture as well. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, I love it. So Sana, if you, if you have, if we would have to, to look back at your career and say, you know, that was really the most challenging thing I had to do, hmm. what would it be and, and why? Mm. Yeah, what I think is the most challenging, but also a, a re really nice thing about the top desk culture is that when you really become conscious of the fact that you are responsible for your own career path, I think some people might relate, but every three years I have some kind of reflection moment yeah, where I think, is this still it for me? Do I see enough challenges, etc.? And I think it's important that an employer can facilitate and sometimes enable new opportunities for you but it's still you as an individual that needs to take ownership of your career and, and seize those opportunities when they pass by uh, and sometimes you can create opportunities yourself 
um, as well. So I think, yeah, self-reflection from time to time in the yeah rat race of your job in the run uh, is important to steer your career in a certain di direction. So yeah. I had some, some challenging times where I came on a crossroad and think of, okay, which path am I going to? Uh, and up until now, I, I, I had yeah, all the possibilities that I was looking for within within the top desk organization. So that's uh -huh. that's really cool. Yeah, yeah, that's actually a, a very good. I mean, it's everything that you said there, I hundred percent agree with that. I mean, you have to take ownership of your own career. Uh, I've had an intern once that also said at the end of the internship, it would have been nice if I could have done that, but if you would have said that to us, then obviously yeah. you would have given that opportunity. So hundred percent feel you like we. The employee can facilitate a lot, but you have to take ownership over, over what you want. And, but also the thing that um, really fascinates me in some way is that indeed you are at top desk for already eight years. Huh. Like that's rare nowadays. People don't stay that long with the same employer. So what would then be, you know, the, the secret sauce of, of top desk of how do they keep Santa so long? Yeah, I yeah. Then I think uh, all of the uh, the things then come down to to yeah company culture. I, I think yeah. so. It's uh, 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 trust, freedom, and responsibility. Those are our three uh, company culture words. And it's always every situation that you uh, come across uh, with colleagues, you can all re uh, always bring it back to that triangle. Um, and so we as an employer, we really want to give you like the um, uh, the trust and freedom but of course you have to use it in a responsible way uh, of course and if something is going wrong uh, uh, if we can say it like that it's almost related to one of those three three things um, and I think yeah the the, the amount of indeed um, opportunities the, the, sometimes people don't see it but um, it's also depending on the structure of the organization if there is room for that as well, uh, of course. So I'm not saying mm -hmm. that uh, in every organization it's the case, but uh, within Top Desk, I had the feeling that uh, whenever I was stuck or doubting on some kind of things, I could fall back on my internal uh, network. So uh, having uh, good conversations with people within the organization um, uh, to find yeah a new path and new challenges. So that's uh, I think I think that's the key uh, element. Uh, 100% in the culture. Uh, I think for a lot of people, it's it's an obvious thing. For many other people, I think it would be something so difficult to make it tangible in some way. So, you know, do you have some certain things or certain advices or, you know, thing that you have experienced that really help in, in keeping that culture alive? Um, yeah implement it already from the start, from the first touch points, of course, in your job interviews. I think our first round of interview is only focused on, is this a fit with the top desk company? Yes or mm. not. Even in the second uh, conversation, we will talk about uh, the role and the function and uh, uh, the, let's say the sales skill set, etc. But th the first one is really about, is there a company fit? Yes or no. So by that, you're already filtering out certain Candidates, profiles, it's just like course. your cl qualified clients uh, yeah, or prospects, yeah, I should say. Yeah, exactly. And um, what I also think is is, is really special yeah, because we have, uh, uh, yeah, we are we have top desk offices in eleven countries, so from Brazil to Australia as well. 
And what really strikes to me is that you can enter the Brazilian top desk office or you can enter the uh, Australian top desk office and you will feel the same vibe. And okay, there are awesome. cultural, yeah, there are cultural differences for sure. But that's really something unique and, and special indeed. Yeah. Yeah, I, th I think that's indeed a good check whether or not you have a company culture that's, you know, above and beyond the, the borders. Uh. But it, it, it's in everything that you do. It's about those talent leads play an important role by uh, uh, managing the, the or uh, uh, um, yeah, taking the, the company culture as a, as a health metric, uh, so to say. Um, mm -hmm. uh, it's about, uh, uh, yeah, doing your work, work hard, but also room for personal development, uh, indeed, but also fun stuff like fun activities, etc. So, uh, and that's, uh, yeah, mostly uh, there are no shortcuts to creating like really a company culture, right? It's not about, Hey, I put a, a dartboard or a pool table here and our company <laughs> culture is awesome. So, uh, yeah, that would have been too easy. Yeah. yeah indeed. I yeah. totally understand. So maybe, uh, one last question, Sana, before we before we end up this uh, this discussion, like what's now for you, uh, for you, for you, a <laughs> little bit of Dutch in there. Yeah. What's for you now? The you know the the current ambition, or what what are you driving for? What what's the next goal, the next milestone, for your yourself? Yeah, I think for uh, we as uh, as top desk because I'm at the company for eight years now, so I'm already so related to top desk because <laughs> I always speak in terms of we. That's uh, good. Yeah, we really want to become like uh, the local champion of, of service management. Uh, we are in a unique position to do so because we are the, the only service management vendor with two local offices in Belgium, so for the Dutch and the French speaking part. And most of our competitors work via resellers on the Belgian market. So that reinforces our local way of working and being close to, to our customers. And yeah, for me personally, it's really about uh, seeing that success of the, for example, the business unit setup and um, really how we can uh, yeah, help more companies because there's still a lot to gain in the, in the Belgian market. If you look at the, the, the maturity, if we talk about service management processes and uh, Belgium is really a, a camo country, as we say. Uh, mm -hmm. So uh, a lot of um, yeah, companies are still um, benefits from the, from the top of the solution, I think. So mm -hmm. uh, I see a lot of challenges there, but uh, yeah, that's uh, the good thing, of course. And is it also, and I don't know if you can say anything about it, but is it also on the roadmap to, you know, to, to acquire or to merge with others, to maybe make also a, an EMEA team instead of, you know, just focusing on, on, on this local market here or, you know, do you have, or does the company also have ambitions uh, in terms of that or? Yeah, so I think uh, worldwide the the focus is now on the on the the, the German and the, and the US market, uh, which is also huge. Of course, we have one office in uh, Orlando there. Um, I think with our eleven countries that we are present now, I think for now it's uh, still okay. So we have not concrete plans to open a new office in another country. It's more about uh, bringing uh, some of those topless branches because. Uh, Belgium is actually as a branch quite mature because we were the fourth uh, office uh, that that opened. Uh, but um, yeah, I think uh, the US market. Uh, so you're the is role still model for the other markets. <laughs> yeah, maybe on some things uh, indeed, but there's also, yeah, really. So I think our colleagues from the US will look 
uh, sometimes strangely at us because we are such a small country, but we do have two two offices. <laughs> so they have one office for the entire market of True. the US, and we are like Belgium, but we have yeah, yeah, that's, uh, yeah, yeah. The complexity of our, uh, <laughs> our of our country. And yeah, maybe yeah, the 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 success of our uh, French speaking office in Charleroi, maybe in a few years it will be like the stepping stone to to move to uh, to open top desk France, for example. And uh, yeah, exactly. Let's uh, let's hope so. Yeah, let's see. Senna, I have to uh, thank you so much for this wonderful conversation. Uh, thank you for sharing also o- so so openly about uh, you know the transform transformation project uh, inside top desk. If people you know. Want to find out more about you about Topdesk? You know, is there a specific website or profile you want to send them to? We do have a website, yes. <laughs> so if they want to know something about the, the Topdesk product, they can always visit the website. Uh, but of course, they can also uh, reach out uh, to one of my colleagues or to me directly via via LinkedIn, uh, something like that. Yeah, yeah. Some. Uh, are you also looking for new sales reps, or you know, a little shout out to, towards that direction, or not particularly? Um, I have to check. Maybe we're uh, not so many, but maybe one or two vacancies uh, open uh, at the moment. Yeah. All right. So Here we, we also have a, a job uh, site as well, uh, top desk, where we explain also about the culture, etc. So yeah, yeah, they can check out right. that as well. Perfect. Now, Sana, the that's I promised the one last <laughs> question, but it's a question I ask all my guests, so you might have heard it before. But so, if Sana Breder would be a brand, what would it stand for? So my personal brand. Exactly. Um, <laughs> I would say, yeah, my personal brand would stand for maybe the authentic relationship builder, if you can call it like authentic that. Authentic relationship builder. Yeah. yeah so um, my personal network, but also my internal top desk network has always uh, helped me in reaching certain things, goals that I had for myself. Um, yeah, but of course, I'm also yeah passionate about what we do at at Top Desk, and that is impacting others, uh, of course. So it's also an important factor. So uh, helping companies to create uh, happy employees is actually what also gives me uh, a lot of uh, a lot of energy. A lot yeah. of energy. All right. Well, I take that as an answer. Sana, <laughs> thank you so much, and uh, we keep in touch, man. Yes. All right. Bye bye. That's it. We have once again reached the end of an episode. I just really appreciate you all spending the time. If you like what you heard, don't forget to subscribe to the podcast. Until next week with a fresh new episode.